Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's meet our guest today, Mr. Tom Hoffer. Good morning, Tom. Great to be with you both. Yeah. Hey, just so our listeners know kind of what it is you do around around town, what is it you do? Well, I have the opportunity to serve as CEO of the Salem Area Chamber of Commerce. We're a 501c6 nonprofit organization tasked with business advocacy for a small business community. Wow. That's pretty well said. Yeah. Yeah. So I know Tom from the community, uh, Tom, what we like to, this show is really about getting to know the people behind the scenes as well as kind of what they do. And so we like to jump back in maybe to childhood. What, where were you born? What was elementary school like for you? you know. Sure. I was, uh, I am born and bred right here in Salem. So I was born at Salem hospital, uh, back in the seventies and, uh, had an opportunity. Uh, my family is uh, Catholic. So Grew up, I uh, had the opportunity to go to Queen of Peace, uh, first through sixth grade, along with my sister Janie, and then transitioned over to Jetson Middle School and ultimately on to Sprague High School. So mm-hmm. great experience uh, in both the private school and public schools here in Salem. Yeah. What uh, what was Tom into in, in elementary school? Do you remember? <laughs> you know, uh, I had a unique experience. My sister um, had a very challenging disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and fact, uh, she was on a telethon, and uh, so childhood was different. I uh, spent a lot of time uh, between relatives mm-hmm. and a lot of years when kids traditionally are with their parents, probably. A uh, little different course, but very fortunate to have a very supportive family. Uh, my sister is doing well today, and that wasn't going to always be the case. So, yeah, childhood had uh, some interesting dynamics, but I think things that made me who I am today. Yeah. yeah, I know a lot about that. When I was growing up, I had a lot of health issues and my sibling didn't have much going on as far as health complications. So it's like a lot of family dynamics going on there for sure when yeah. someone's sick. You wear it as a family though. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I was very fortunate. My parents still uh, 50 years of marriage to this day and uh, instilled that the family unit comes first and uh, very happy uh, to have had a great childhood and but yeah, seeing the challenges of young people hurting is very, very tough for people. Yeah. Yeah. What was maybe one of the, one of the first things you noticed that you had passion for, like, even as a kid? Yeah, I group dynamics and and team uh, settings are something that I, I've enjoyed. I enjoy team sports. Um, passion for engaging with people and discovery. I'm a very curious person. Mm. Uh, you know, you hear the term lifeline, li- lifelong learner, but uh, I really feel uh, the best version of myself is is still ahead. And so I crave information and knowledge and really enjoy being around people and seeing people's successes. And I think that stemmed from very early in life. And, and I just love the human potential and yeah. I and I see things in people that I think probably like both of you. Uh, some of our best, most heartfelt times in life is seeing actually other people become successful and and conquer things and uh, reach heights maybe they didn't think they could do. And it's fun to walk around people and and see them on that journey. Yeah, yeah. I know for me in school I was no no scholar for sure, but I ended up being uh, you know student council president or whatever, you know, because I think maybe I had a little charisma and, and not, not a lot of intellectual gifting. But uh, yeah, but I enjoyed that. So similar, you know, I, I remember 
you just end up in groups and then you end up leading those groups. You know, not that that was necessarily a goal from the get go, but uh, yeah, it happens. It happens. Um, anything else like in high school you can maybe think of as a highlight, uh, a sport, an extra cook activity or, you know, something like that? Sure. I, well, I did play, uh, I played ice hockey and, and roller hockey growing Whoa. up, which are kind of odd sports for yeah. the Salem area. Uh, Boys and Girls Club started a roller hockey program when I was <laughs> younger, and uh, my my father was a collegiate official in, in basketball. Uh, today, in in part of a, a different part of my life, I'm very involved in the lacrosse officiating community, and I loved being in a sport that wasn't super mainstream. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. when you don't have a lot of peers that you're competing with at your school, because it isn't a school sport, right? Uh, you get to know a lot of different people from different uh, parts of your city. And so played a lot of roller hockey and got into ice hockey in the latter part of my teens and uh, loved the sport. Had to do a lot of traveling uh, to participate. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, boy, you turn 16 and... 1979 Subaru wagon with uh, five speed and only four worked. Uh, loved flying up I five at the roaring speed of 56 and an engine that sounded One mile like an hour it, over the speed limit. Uh, an engine that thought it, thought it was going to burst at any moment, but that Subaru made it for me for many, many years. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So you're getting out of high school. What are you thinking you're going to do? Like as a junior and senior, what did you see? the future looking like? Yeah, that's a great question. And I did know. I was one of those rare kids coming out of high school. And by the way, never done it. Uh, so that's how well <laughs> knowing exactly <laughs> what you're going to do. Uh, you know, life sends some different things. Uh, both my parents are, were educators, uh, public school educators. And uh, so I went to Western Oregon for undergrad and immediately knew I was going to be a teacher. And I got through my second year, and I still had a lot of curiosity about business. My grandfather, uh, both of my grandfathers were in business, but one in particular I was very close with growing up and would work in his shop in downtown Salem. And by the time I was halfway through my sophomore year, I was like, this isn't, I, I actually don't have a calling to be a teacher. And I had to come home, I remember, on one Christmas break and tell my parents, um, Basically, a whole year of education that I've just done is probably going to go for naught because I'm switching majors uh, in my going into my junior year, and I needed to pick up a bunch of business. So I had, I'm your proverbial five-year plan guy. There you go. Who was still enrolled the whole time, <laughs> full-time, great student. I was, I'm very fortunate. I've never yeah. really had to study. If, as long as I write it down or read it. My sister had to work so hard. I felt so bad. And I'm like going to class. Okay, got it down. Wouldn't study for tests. Great <laughs> yeah. student. So brains are coded differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a nice takeaway that I, I was, that God's given me the gift of. But yeah, I, uh, that was an embarrassment a little bit. Hey, I've uh, got to switch majors, but boy, best choice I ever made. And mm -hmm. uh, the business community is something that is very precious and dear to my heart. And so, yes, I, I switched to a business major and, you know, after the five-year plan, was able right. to then come and start a career. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe a little more on uh, maybe how about family? What's what's family look like? Yeah. Uh, we're a pretty small family. Uh, my family and both my parents reside in South Salem, as well as my sister and her husband. And then I have two nephews. I I have never had the opportunity to be married or have children myself. Mm -hmm. So uh, a little bit of smaller family. Um 
sounds probably cliche, but my staff team is a very much a family mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And uh, everywhere I go, I just try and set some roots with people. And uh, when you don't have kids at home, you, you know, I have a dog. And <laughs> yeah, I'm not your your traditional American family with two and a half kids at home <laughs> and uh, the like. But, the 2.5. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about like food? Do you have a favorite genre or favorite style of food? I, I do enjoy food and uh, I love all sorts of food. I was fortunate in those uh, for a number of years to be able to travel all over the nation and, and internationally. And um, working for a food company, you get to try a lot of different uh, cuisines. And um, I love, uh, I've, you know, people ask me, what's the extreme things you've tasted and like, and, and I've done all those things, but, uh, I just love food crafted with passion and, mm-hmm. and I love atmosphere as much. You could present me the best food and the atmosphere isn't right. I, it would be a little bit of a turnoff. So I've eaten really bad food at really great places and had a wonderful time. And I've had really great food at horrible atmospheres <laughs> and gone. Wah, wah. Mm-hmm. So love Thai food. Uh, love Mexican food. Uh, many ethnic foods, um, wholesome food. I've been eating healthier. Drinking water has been, uh, have you guys been drinking your gallon a day? Uh, Not been quite. getting the gallon probably. Not quite. It is yeah. hard and your body actually, your stomach takes time to adjust having that much liquid in you. Uh, but I've been staying pretty diligent there, trying to take a little better care of myself as I approach my 50s. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how long it would take to make it through all of the food places in the chamber that like our members uh, interesting to make it to every, it's kind of like a bingo board or like a blackout board. Well, I can to... tell you, I've been to everyone and I, if you want to go with me you just, <laughs> any day of the week, we have incredible uh, food members at restaurant players yeah. in our chamber. So yeah. we, we are fortunate. I feel like, uh, you know, I've been in Salem Kaiser about 35 plus years. Sure. And um, I think the, the food, options and the level and that type of stuff seems in the last like just five or seven years has really gone up. I, I don't like know. as far as diversity goes? You and... know, diversity, even maybe quality or options, high quality options mm-hmm. maybe. You used to, I used to just think of just a couple of places and now, you know, there's a couple yeah. dozen places. We know, have so. uh, food for anything you're looking for. And yeah. food is a key component of livability. And the spaces the, the food is served in and the people who are serving you is a part of livability. And so our restauranteurs had such a challenge during uh, during the COVID experience yeah. with compression of their ability to serve. And I just, please hug your, your local restaurateurs. <laughs> They've had an incredibly challenging time. And on, on top of that, we're in a state that's incredibly challenging to do business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Yes, our our food scene has continued to evolve, and it's it's awesome here in Salem. And but obviously, I'm the guy who has to say that, but I mean it. I'm out there eating, mm-hmm. and I want you to all come out and eat. <laughs> there you That's go. Awesome. How long have you been in the position that you're in with the chamber? Yeah, it's almost five years, and in about a month, um, which seems like it has blown by. Um, I did I worked for the Salem Chamber for seven years prior. Okay, and uh, so coming out of Western Oregon, I started as an intern at the Salem Chamber. So I worked seven years under an incredibly dynamic and and special leader, Mike McLaren, oh, who man. Yeah. fortunately passed away, but uh, my mentor. And um, he had an incredible impact on a number of staff people. Uh, Kyle Sexton and myself uh, were very fortunate to have our careers impacted forever by him. 
Uh, then, as I mentioned, I, in 2004, I departed and, and joined Don Poncho Mexican Foods in the, in the private sector and uh, got to experience an incredible time there that I'd be happy to talk about. But yes, I did uh, come back to the chamber world and uh, about five years ago now. Nice. Yeah. What, uh, maybe in coming back, you had a, at least a strong litmus of what it looked like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in your you know first go around. What maybe surprised you um, ab- about it coming back in? Well, it certainly, it's my first time as CEO of the chamber. Mm-hmm. I was serving in business advocacy role uh, during my previous time at the chamber. So I always had some, a boss to look up to. Right. And uh, although I, I certainly was the boss to employees at my time at Don Poncho, uh, it was a different atmosphere because I still had a president and, and, and an executive board that I worked with at Don Poncho and incredible people. Um, when you come into a situation like the chamber, like I did, is what, what has been going on and what needs some course correction. Unfortunately, the chamber uh, had had you know, a little bit of financial bumps and so really needed to focus internally. And that's a tough thing because when you come into a new career, you need to be incredibly invested in your consumer in your customers and consumers and getting to know them. And I and I felt a little bit of pull because I had to really focus on some internal things to get the organization in a little different trajectory. That's not to say my predecessors weren't great caretakers. They were. Uh, but we we want to really dream big, and to do that, it needs to start on a very sound fi- uh, foundation of, of strong finances to be able to build then up and truly be the assistance to the small business community uh, that hopefully we serve today. So uh, that was a unique kind of challenge because part of me just wanted to run to the community and say, I'm here to connect. I, I want to learn about you. I want to understand why you call the Salem Chamber home because I wasn't part of bringing you into this hive necessarily. Now, Correct. were there business members that were there when I served 15 years prior? Oh, certainly. And I, and I counted on them. Yeah. And, but I had to go learn a lot of new people and I was being pulled kind of two ways. And so what it, what it really did, it was probably like most leaders, you super invest your time and, mm. and you tell your friends and family, this will be for a finite amount of time, but I need to be, extremely present in many places that is going to be not look really a lot like work-life balance Mm. but i will go to the why behind you are when you're at places and and you this may resonate for both you tim from our conversation i know it does with you when you are so passionate about your work providing your hours is not looked at as clocking in, clocking out. I have the ability to come and go as I please. The hours of work we put in is because we believe so much in the impact that we're having. And so those are gladly, those are as much an investment in our organization and our community as they were an investment in myself, because I'm not going to fail and I'm not going to allow my team members to fail. And when I say allow, it's not a yes, no. It means my role is to ensure that they do not fail and not just fit, don't fail, that they thrive in what they're doing. Because that's our real base is our employees. They're the ones right. that we, we think what we can do as one person. It's not a lot. You have yeah. to have a team around you that is making equal impacts and and sometimes even greater impacts. And that, that brings me great pleasure when I see that. Yeah, yeah. I think, and then 
also there's times when when you're you're wanting the best for for that person and sometimes you realize that's just not on this bus right that that your long-term goals are probably different than what this role is and so making sure you can get them off in the right direction you know and all might cost you something in the short term it's in the long run it's still what's best for the other person yeah, and there had been some transitions in employees, if I'm being really honest, sure. prior to my arrival. Um, but when you bring in different leadership, you're going to see people in, through different lenses. And more importantly, they're going to see you through different lenses. And so one of the things I spoke with our board about is upon my hiring, know that this is going to look a lot different than you see this organization in six months, in a year, in three years. Mm. And I think an important part of leadership is creating a place where your high performers may thrive and those that don't aren't in alignment with your missional goals and the personal goals of a team, they kind of step themselves out. And, and so never a harsh environment, right. but you know the players that are moving in the direction that's healthy for the organization. And, and if the individual isn't on that, it, it doesn't have to be traumatic. It's no. you just want them to have a safe landing space, know that they are going to have an opportunity in the future to be great. Yep. It just may not be in alignment for this space. And so we did have transition after I came in and as you've seen, I've built a sure. very special team. And when I say I built it, our team has built a sure. special team. Yeah. And uh, transitions occur. And by the way, we've lost great employees to new opportunity. It's the hardest thing. You're like, you grit and you're like, no, I don't want you to go. And at the same time, you're like, I absolutely do. Because I had somebody say that to me. It would have been really easy for Mike to say, hey, George Puentes. Tom isn't leaving here. I need him here. And Mike saw bigger and said, hey, Tom needs the private sector experience for a number of years here. So someday he can come back into a nonprofit world and understand the dynamic of who that customer is that we serve. Mm -hmm. Nonprofit work, as you guys know, is servant right. leadership. Yeah, It doesn't come with an ownership. I will right. never own the Salem Chamber. Right. So when I retire, the wealth that I accumulate has to be accumulated knowing I'm never going to own the organization mm -hmm. I'm in. You have right. to look at life very differently on because you could work a lot of years for a private company as an owner. And even if you don't like that work at the end, you could sell it yeah. or monetize. There's nothing for me to monetize except the vision of what we can do each day, making sure I'm bringing value back to this organization. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, Maybe uh, we always like to ask a few questions around, you know, you've been at this private sector and, and nonprofit work for a while. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, but what's one or two of the nuggets that of many, but that you've saw, oh, I really need to apply that to the way I do X. And so maybe what's one or two that pop to your mind and whether it's leadership or maybe self-discipline or, you know, those types of things. Well, I think uh, everybody has their own style of leadership, um, and I and I have to be really transparent with my staff team. And this even comes into our staff interviews and the like. Um, I have a saying that is not unique to me, but I share. I can teach, our we can teach anyone to do anything that we do because we're not do we're not 
doing surgery at the chamber. <laughs> we're not replacing engines or right. so we do things that are relational and functional. So what I say is we can teach anyone to do the things that we do, but there are two things I can never teach people. I can never teach you to be on time and I can never teach you to have the right attitude. So when I'm looking at human capital and the assets that we want in our organization, I'm looking at it differently. I don't need somebody to be the best at X. I need them to understand they're coming into a team environment where we're here to collectively produce a result for our community. It's not going to be, I did this or you did this. It is what have we done to help our community succeed? And so for me, it's that investment in team and investment in people is, is a key thing that I look at, Tim. And I need when I, and I'm open with people. If, if you need somebody, you're, if you work in a structure and an organization that you need a superior or a boss or somebody you report to, to be constantly looking into your life, this will be a horrible experience for you. <laughs> horrible. Right. My communication with my staff is often, how are you doing? What can I do to assist you? Not do this, do that. Because quite honestly, I've hired people way smarter than me in our organization. Sure. These are experts at what they do. Absolute experts at what they do. But you know what they're the best at? Mm. They are experts in human relations and how we take care of people and how we recognize people and how we value people and listen to people. And the chamber doesn't have to have all the answers, right. but we have to set the stage where we bring people together to have the conversations. That is very critical missional work is to sometimes know you don't have to be the solution, right. but you got to bring the people to the table so people feel invested. And that is the team strategy and probably something I would share that I'm most proud in our organization is mm. The people you see working at the Salem Chamber, the volunteering at the Chamber, our board members, the members who want to come in, they see a bigger future for Salem. These are not myopic people that say, what have you done for me? In right. fact, if you need transactional only, and we do have members who join, and at the end of the year, they look at a balance sheet. Yep, I got seven new customers from the Chamber. Oh, this year, I only got three and <laughs> out the door. Just know that whether you write the check to us or not... I'm working on behalf of small business every day. Right. That isn't going to resonate with everyone, but I will always be able to look you in the eye as a business owner or employee and say, your interests, your best interests are our organization's best interests. Right. Pretty easy to get up in the morning when that's how you get to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I hop out of bed each day. There you go. Yeah. I think we're, we're fortunate to do what we do in the community. Um, both because I know both of us are pretty relational people and we would, dry up like a grape in the hot sun if we were in a cubicle just banging out never be details. able to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. And actually, nor do you want me or Tom doing your uh, books every day all oh, God, day. No. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I to be fair, I'm pretty financially savvy, but I am not a CPA. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make your moral decisions, but it's not something that drives me. My, my you know, So around our organization, we have people that do that. And right. even in my own home, my, my wife, pays most of our bills. She's passionate about that, checks up on the balance all the time. And I look at my debit card balance maybe once a month. I keep it running a pretty close number in my head as to what that is. And that's close enough for me. So yeah. I, I love what you said there, by the way. Yeah. Don't let that slip on your listeners. Yeah. My debit card. I, we don't pay credit for right. things at the Salem Chamber. And I try not to pay credit for things right. in my life. 
afford and pay for what you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can't be disciplined enough to know there will be a point that you can in the future. Yep. I love that. And, yeah. and that's something that's really important because people, you want the quickest way to have the base at home disintegrate, have your financial situation not in order. Yeah. So start with yourself, invest with yourself, get on firm ground, even if it's, I mean, I remember getting hired at the chamber. I'm uh, 22 years old. Mike McLaren goes, how would you like, I, I was, I had literally uh, was with Nike, moving forward with Nike. How would you like to work twice as hard for half the amount of money? You know how long it took me to make that decision? About yeah. two seconds. Yep. Because I knew that I was looking at someone who believed in me. And oh, by the way, I was living in a little tiny apartment in Monmouth. I had a roommate. I'm like, <laughs> you're going to pay me 648 bucks every two weeks or whatever. <laughs> I'm at $23,400 my right. uh, first year. And people kind of giggle about that. Hey, you have a yeah. college degree. And I'm like, I'm yeah. working in the best place in the world. <laughs> I'm go. working with Salem business owners every day. Tell me, tell me what's wrong with my life. <laughs> Man. Oh, man, we're already out of time. Yeah, it it flies by. We're certainly going to have to have you back on, Tom. Uh, If uh, people want to reach out, uh, follow up with you, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, a couple ways. Uh, Tom at SalemChamber.org, if you ever want to email. I mean, I'm on all the social channels, at Tom Hoffert, and uh, SalemChamber.org. That's where I'd really guide you, you because that's the hub. And uh, that's the place where people can really see a difference occurring in our community and at the Salem Chamber, we believe in helping businesses prosper so our entire community may thrive. Yeah. The business community isn't doing well, folks. No. Nothing is. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you want to hear more of what we do, you can find us on any podcasting platform. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. And thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring. 